Welcome back to 1010's Podcast. I am, of course, Michael Beck with Adam and Rob Diedrich. What's it? <laughs> Rob Diculus. Rob Diculus? Oh, God. Hi, Rob Diculus. And we have guests today. Uh, we are here with the Iowa State University Baja team. Uh, we've got Derek Whited. Is that correct? Yes, it is. Uh, Ryan Werner. Yep. And uh, Andy. Oh, shit. Right about? <laughs> Yes, that's correct. Rout, routabout, is that right? Routabout. Routabout, okay. Is there a T on the end? No. <laughs> One day I'll get somebody's name right. I don't believe it. Nope. But uh, So anyway, thanks for having us, guys. Uh, for some reason, they let Robbie and I drive their Baja car, uh, which is complete insanity. But nobody ran into anything or hit that dumpster or the skidster, but I did get spotted by a cop, but he didn't stop me. It gave you a funny look. It's we might have to double back because we were wondering, can you get air out of that? Loading ramp that's over there. Oh like, yeah. Can you start at the bottom of that? Actually, and get air with it. So uh, we've been we did a little bit of uh, tire pressure testing and just basically trying to figure out the spring rate of our tires. And that was one thing we did is we just launched it over and over with high speed cameras. We just Guess launched it off the ramp after the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> did you launch it out of that actual ramp? Yeah, we would we would back it up, lift it up, and just take off as fast as we could. It's like one of those old delivery ramps. You see, usually see them on older buildings, not so much anymore. But basically, you could back a truck down it, and you can deliver to you know a large garage door or whatever. But uh, I was looking at it; I didn't know if you could get enough speed coming out. Yeah, of it's to a get pretty a, short runway to get all four wheels off the ground. But apparently, you can. That's pretty sweet. It's quite torquey, so. Yeah, it's uh, when it took off. It's got uh, basically a CVT transmission. So as soon as you give it enough throttle, it it wants to go, but um, so who wants to tell us a little bit about um, your car? So the car we looked at today—that's the 2016. Um, I get what would you call that competition year? 2016 car? Yeah, so that covers the 2015-2016 academic year. Okay. So our season uh, begins around June. Uh, they don't release the new rules until August, but it begins around June, and um, our actual competitions that we go to are uh, mid-April, late May, and early June, typically. Okay, so you guys have three competitions for the year, then? Yep. Yeah. Um, at least in the U.S. So Baja is an international, uh, it's an international series. So the U.S. series is not the only one. There's, there's competitions in South Africa, South Korea, China, uh, Brazil... India. India is a big one. So we could technically go to those as well. But um, in the U.S., there's three of them. And where are they located? Um, this year it was in uh, Gorman, California, Cookville, Tennessee, and uh, Rochester, New York. Okay. That's roaming, then, you guys were saying earlier? Mm-hmm. That that they're not always in those same places? No, they, they rotate. There's uh, there's quite a few rotations. It's usually like a three or four year rotation between tracks. So before we get into what that actual competition is, um, let's take a step back and talk a little bit about the car that you guys built um, and kind of what parameters Baja sets for you when you get because you guys I assume just like Formula build a car every year, right? Mm-hmm. So what talk about the car you guys built this year and what parameters you guys have to work within. So I guess we're given uh, not actually a huge rule list. So, uh, well, it's moderately large. A lot of the regulations that they give us are about the frame. Um, a lot of it's just safety concerns and to make sure we don't end up hurting ourselves when uh, we're running 100 abreast on the tracks. 
100 miles an hour? No. No. Oh, no, 100, 100 abreast. Oh, okay. Wide. Like a cross-country start or something. Oh, God. Well, yeah. So they're, um, I guess each race is about two miles long um, for four hours, and there's 100 cars going, so it needs to be pretty tough and pretty safe. That's, so It's kind of terrifying. So, yeah, so a lot of the rules are about frame and then um, that we can't change out components once, I guess, once we've gone through tech inspection and such. Same as any other type of race. Sure. Yeah, uh, basic rules, four tires, not in a straight line, and you have to have some form of suspension. Okay. That's that's kind of where the the basic concept comes from. Um, They throw some other ones. You can't have, like, handlebar steering and stuff like that. So that's why everybody's car kind of ends up looking the same or extremely similar um but yeah there's there's frame rules and everything for safety but Mm -hmm. there aren't really a whole lot of other rules concerning design yeah it really just concerns of the space where the driver occupies pretty much sure and then the the engine is that's a a spec engine yeah we can't touch it okay and what what's that it's a bruce and strand intec 305 so pretty pretty small engine single cylinder 10 horsepower and 14.2 14.5 foot pounds of torque yeah. is what the rating is so every team will um usually you contact briggs and stratton and they ship you a cardboard box with the completely assembled engine in the box foam packed and everything you pull it out of the box you mount it in your car you fuel it and you run it that's it so you um, can't open it then i imagine no. it's got to stay closed okay yep. so um Basically, they do a, a post-race inspection if you're one of the top five teams. Um, basically, what they say is all parts have to be um, OEM, Briggs & Stratton parts. They have to have all the serial numbers and everything on them. Um, but they will take your engine, and they will inspect it. They'll check for tooling marks and stuff like that, make sure you didn't go through and polish it and whatnot. Sure. So it's it's pretty strict on the motor part. Everyone's like, oh yeah, make it faster, make it faster. Well, we can't. can't. That's all it is. <laughs> yeah. So do they? Do they? Does Briggs and Stratton give you that transmission too, or where does that come from? No. No. We we can select everything but the engine. So okay. um, our CVT comes from gauged CVTs. Uh, they're from Nebraska, aren't they? No. No. Okay. <laughs> I somebody told me that they were from Nebraska, and I was no. I really think they're up north that. somewhere. Yeah. But anyway, they're. They're really big in Baja. A lot of people buy gauge CVTs, either that or CV Tech. Um, really, there there are quite a few teams that run manual transmissions too. But there's oh, really? A, there's a lot more risk involved. Yeah, I would imagine. Um, so it's yeah. an actual. Is that a? Is that a? It's not a clutchless manual. Then I would imagine you actually have to clutch that. Or yeah, yeah. A lot of teams have a clutch. Well, I I guess why a lot of teams run manual transmissions is due to. Uh, um, I guess their skill level is their knowledge. Um, luckily, we've had a lot of uh, advanced members, and we've done a lot of research, and we've, we get to build our own transmission. A lot of teams won't. They'll pull them out of ATVs, four-wheelers, side-by-sides, Harleys, <laughs> pretty much anything in, er, everywhere and in between. But we've, pretty, we've been pretty successful with our, uh, with our uh, double-reduction gearbox that we, build, that we built for the last two or three years now. Yeah, that gearbox is in its seventh iteration. Yep. Or at least the case is. Okay, so are you guys designing it and then sending it to them, and then they're actually manufacturing it, or how does that work? No, we manufacture the gear the gear case itself. Okay. Yeah, so we have uh, part of our drivetrain team. They'll go through. We know kind of from the dyno information what our engine's putting out, and then they figure out 
kind of what the CVT is doing a little bit. And then they'll do all the calcs for the gears, you know, sizes, what kind of ratio you want, how wide the gears need to be. Um, and then once they figure that out, we'll actually manufacture all the gear blanks and the cases and the input shafts and everything for it. Um, the only thing we don't do is actually cut the teeth on the gear. Oh, okay. We just don't have the machining capability sure. here. So we send that out, and then we uh, have them send it to be heat treated. Okay. So That makes sense. Uh, so the CVT itself is a manufactured CVT from that we buy, but the gear case and everything else in the drivetrain, is those are things that we manufacture ourselves. Gotcha. So... What's the difference between last year's car and this year's car? I mean, obviously, part of the program is rebuilding this car every single year, and, and hopefully you're taking your iteration from last year and improving on it, taking your notes from your races, and then you know making changes so that it's better for this year. What did you guys change for so 2016? So the dramatic change would definitely be weight. I think we dropped 60 pounds out of the car. What's uh, the car weight total? Uh, 330 or 340. Okay, so it, it doesn't it depends weigh, upon the amount of mud that's doesn't, on it. <laughs> it, doesn't weigh, it doesn't weigh much at all then. So to drop 60 pounds, is, I mean, yeah. that's a huge that's, amount. Yeah, that's significant. Was yeah. that mostly in like a more efficient cage design, or, or how do you drop that kind of um, weight? Yeah, everywhere. Pretty much every subsystem, or we divide our car up into subsystems for design purposes. So pretty much every subsystem reduced or dropped some sort of weight. I know the frame drop 10 pounds so originally was 60 61 pounds and now it's down to 51 and i think both of the uh, suspensions lost about 35 percent of their weight as well yeah a lot of it's just maintaining knowledge and um a lot of us were younger students when we i guess last year and we've learned a lot and we're able to fine-tune our designs from the previous year and really i guess build a little bit lighter of a car and just step by step going through and seeing oh hey we don't need weight here and a lot of it's testing as well seeing what fails and what we need to replace and what we don't yeah a lot of the systems on the 2014 2015 car it's really obvious that a bunch of sophomores and engineering designed them so then this past year's car it's it's definitely a step up in terms of performance and it's just it's more of uh the people who designed it matured and understood what happened last year sure where where's that suspension come from for that car? Yeah, so it's pretty much custom uh, for the uh, the previous year. Uh, Maltec ATV out of uh, Illinois. I can't remember what city. Um, they built. I guess they built. We had a member that worked there, and they built our shocks for us, and said, gave us some recommenda- re- recommendations on tuning, and we went through. We really liked the performance from them. So this year, uh, that member was still with us. And he actually kind of gave us the prints, and we built the shocks ourselves. And uh, we bought, well, I guess we bought the valving system for it, but otherwise we built 99% of the shock. And we were able to tune it a lot more than we did the previous year, which I think really helped us. As you saw, we were um, leaning over pretty well in the corners and not rolling. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you guys are, like when we were driving it, you guys are smashing into curbs, and it really that car didn't seem to care that much. I mean, I know they're just a few inches. It's probably not a huge hurdle, but it soaks it up pretty well. Yeah, and uh, most of our races, they'll throw um, boulders the size of minivans or uh, trees six, eight inches in diameter, and they expect us to soak that stuff up. And 
just got to build as soft a suspension as you can while also maintaining a little bit of hardness for the corners when you're going 35 miles an hour down a hill. Yeah, the the rears had dual rates on them, correct? Um, Both the front and the rear. The fronts did too, okay. Yep. Okay, but the travel on the rear is is quite a bit longer than on the front, right? Actually, so uh, a little bit of a design change from the previous year. We ran a 2-to-1 leverage ratio last year. And this year, to help kind of reduce weight and components, we ran a 1.8 or 1.18 to 1, which really uh, allowed our component weight to decrease just due to the lower leverage ratio. And that really, I think, softened up our suspension as well. The front maintained a 2 to 1 leverage ratio, and they both have 12 inches of suspension travel. So it's equal throughout the whole car, then? It's 12 inches? It's pretty close, Pretty yeah. close the same? Okay. It's I guess just looking at them, the backs are quite a bit taller. I guess we just assumed that meant that they had more travel. No, that's just due to the uh, leverage ratio. We, You get more, I guess, with a higher leverage ratio, you have more uh, shock travel per inch of uh, wheel travel and such. Crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's pretty amazing, you know, when I was driving the car that when I got stuck at that stop sign and there were cars coming, I just drove over the curb psychologically it's weird to just well first of all i'm used to riding in a go-kart which had basically fixed suspension yeah, on it no suspension. so looking at the curb i'm like do i really want to drive over that i don't i don't think i want to drive over that and i sat there for a little while longer i'm like i'm not gonna wait for these cars so i, I drove over it and i mean it's it's smooth as glass it's pretty amazing how that'll soak that up and i'm sure that dual rate i don't think i've ever driven anything that actually has real dual rate on it except for maybe one of my buddies stis has dual rates on it but that's probably not something you're going to notice in a in a heavy car like that. No, no, probably not. But it's it's amazing you can run over stuff pretty easily, not feel it. But then when you really get to to leaning on it, because we were doing pretty tight radius circles in the parking lot, there's only so far it's going to go before you know that second rate starts to compensate a little bit, and you don't you know obviously it doesn't fall on its side. So it's pretty cool. It's a cool design. Sounds like something I need in my race car. There were a few teams that ran triple rate shocks. That just sounds unnecessarily complicated. For the most part, it is. Yeah, <laughs> it, it looks cool. Yeah, it oh really yeah, does it, look it, sure. it looks real cool because you get uh, different colors for your different mm-hmm. springs, and it looks like a rainbow, <laughs> and it's just some pretty cool stuff. But um, yeah, hitting curbs and stuff like that. Actually, a lot of that is uh, your tires. You know, a yeah, lot of people you, you don't guys really have quite a bit of sidewall. I mean, they were. Oh yeah, they're 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 real tall and. The, the tires that you guys were running on were only at about maybe 4 PSI. What's normal? Uh, depends on the event. I mean, we kind of okay. change around our tire pressure and stuff like that, depending on what we're doing. Um, if we're doing stuff where we're going to see a lot of real hard impacts, um, our rock crawl in Oregon last year, I think we ran 13 to 14 PSI, maybe a little more, um, which noticeably stiffens those up quite a bit. Um, but on sharp impacts on stuff like curbs, you know, dropping them down real low, the tires just deflect and sponge it up real quick. Now, are these uh, spec tires or like formula, or do you guys kind of pick your tires? You can pick whatever you can fit on your rims. Yep. Now, are the rims There's, spec? No, they are not. <laughs> <laughs> if you look awesome. at if you look at pictures of Baja cars, every single Baja car is going to have a different tire and rim setup. It's not okay. There, yeah. There's no right or wrong decision really i mean it's just what you find works the best with your car 75 percent of the whole field runs uh they run mud lights they run some form of the maxis razor or you see bear claws quite a bit now Mm -hmm. um but 
and then you know you'll see some oddballs and stuff like that. But that's pretty much it. Mud lights, bear claws, and razors. Yeah, and you know the uh, hole shots. There's quite a few hole shots. Mm-hmm. And it's just interesting to see Baja cars with small wheel diameters because they look really dinky. Yeah, uh, with with normal sized wheels and tires on them. But like Wisconsin's car, theirs is theirs looks a little interesting, but. Yeah, I kind of figured you guys would use a lot of uh, like four wheeler parts stuff like that. Would just it would make sense to be using that type of stuff. So mm-hmm. going to a razor, yeah, yeah, logical. I bet that's way cheaper than the formulas tires. Because what did they say they spent on tires? I don't know, but they're a Hoosier, and we know what those cost. I mean, yeah. the set of Hoosiers I have sitting at they're home like, are they spent fourteen hundred dollar tires. I'd say fourteen hundred dollars on tires this year. Yeah, it's about sorry. I, I, write oh, the, yeah. I signed the check, so I, <laughs> you can disclose whatever you want to. Yeah. I, I think that's what they spent on it. I was I'd that for a set? Uh no, I think that was for two. I'm not hundred percent sure. Man, I need that student discount. That's exp- it's still expensive though, because what cheap. size is that? A wheel. It's like a ten inch wheel. It's mm-hmm. tiny. Yeah, they're tiny. It's like a ten by ten. Yeah. <laughs> so small. It's crazy. So I'm sure your guys' tires are a lot more affordable than that, especially if you can use whatever you want. I mean, that's that's part of the game, yeah. right, is is picking components that are going to fit within your budget. So Yeah, and, and one of the things that we did is actually we moved from a, from a Maxxis Razor to a, a GBC knockoff, basically. You know, exact same tread pattern, same size as sidewall characteristics and whatnot. It's just cheap. <laughs> so you can get whatever you can get. You know, if you can find it, real cheap from somebody no name somewhere out of china they really don't care you just gotta spec it out for the same price whatever the msrp is on it and also surprisingly tires add a lot of weight so the bear claws are four pounds heavier per tire than the ones that we have on the rear end of the car now four pounds a piece yeah yeah holy cow that's a lot on a car that only weighs 400 pounds or less yeah yeah that makes a huge difference (laughs) so with your tires do those like do you guys have to rotate them out before they're bare or bald do they have like heat cycles and stuff like that or is that not a concern with an off-road tire uh heat cycles really aren't that big a concern um biggest thing is just wear and losing tread actually most of our competitions and testing and stuff that we do doesn't wear our tires real bad uh the things well, the that, car that light it, yeah, well the thing it? that really tears those tires up is uh doing donuts in the parking lot <laughs> i believe that yeah but it's so much fun oh it is it is it's for testing purposes yeah right? oh absolutely in air quotes <laughs> um we i mean we'll leave the set that we had on for last competition season we'll leave it on for testing and we'll buy one to two new sets for competition um usually we don't switch them out because they just go bald or wear out we usually have to switch them out for flats or anything like that yeah poking holes from trees and sharp rocks and stuff like that so so as far as your guys's budget i assume it's probably similar to formula it's kind of minimally funded by the university so you guys really rely on um donors and sponsorship from companies Mm -hmm. um, which i'm sure help you with a lot of manufacturing and things but you know what are your big expenditures for the year um definitely the biggest single item is the cvt that's about 2500 for the entire really? kit yeah mm-hmm. um the next biggest purchase would be all of our tubing so we have our frame and most of our suspension tubes um cnc cut and bent at uh oh yeah vr3 engineering in ontario i think Quebec, I forget, but 
um, we order it from them, and that's about thirty three hundred. So they ju- they just send you the tubing, then I imagine. Yeah. And, and so you guys- we we model it up. Yep. Um, to make the models and their specs, send it to them, get a quote for it, and then they get it done and ship back to us in two two and a half weeks. Yeah. From the time we order it. Big, uh, That's pretty impressive. Oh, yeah. Big plug is. for VR3, but uh, they do, I think they originally specialized in um, aircraft frames. Mm-hmm. Tubular aircraft frames is what they started with. Um, but their whole business and engineering service or whatever is, um, they'll take anything from, or they claim they'll take anything from a full SolidWorks model and all that down to like a sketch on a napkin. And they got guys that'll figure it out and then they'll do all their, they'll uh, cope it. They'll cope it all, they'll CNC bend it all, and they'll even weld it for you if you want them to. Is it chrome molly? Yeah, it okay. is. So they, they do most of their work in chrome molly. I think that comes from the aircraft frames, but it's it's a lot, per pound, it's a lot stronger than 1020, which is what we used to use. So. That's true. Absolutely. Significantly lighter, too. I used to do uh, junior drag racing stuff, and I had a mild steel car. My chrome molly car was a lot so lighter. So, kind of. Yeah. Um... If you take uh, a bar of steel and you set it right next to a bar of chrome molly, the way the exact same. Well, I suppose you could probably use less and still end up exactly. with the same strength. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So chrome molly is supposed to be 30% stronger for how much it weighs. So yeah. the whole point with us moving towards chrome molly is since it's a lot stronger, we can use way less. And using way less makes it a lot lighter because there's not as much tube, makes it easier to manufacture because you don't have to weld as much and all that. What are, what are the body panels on the car? Are they just... Aluminum or yeah, that's uh, yeah, twenty-two gauge aluminum. Okay. So we just got sheets of it, uh, had it what laser cut or water? Jet? Yeah, we had it laser cut, and then um, the guy who designed the body went in and uh, finished up the bending and and all of that. So the nice part is uh, quality manufacturing in Urbandale. They do a lot of our sheet metal parts. Yeah, um, a lot of it we don't have. I guess the adequate facilities to be doing a lot of sheet metal parts really accurately i mean you can only do so much with a vice and a hammer right I was you, guys don't, snips. you guys don't have a break here you don't have a you do have a sheet yeah, metal break but oh. i mean not a not a computer controlled oh sure uh, sure I mean, you're, you're sending them it, cab cad models in. you're not yeah. sketching this yeah. out. quality manufacturing sure. does a lot for clubs at iowa state and i think other universities too but they donate all of the material and manufacturing. So we oh, get okay. all of our sheet metal that we order from them for free. And we total it up, and it's like $7,500 worth of sheet metal. Really? Wow. If not more. Huh. Yeah, we go from uh, a couple of years ago, we were bending all of our sheet metal by hand and cutting it out with tin snips. And uh, last year, our, our, fuel, our fuel tank box, which is just the enclosure that we have around our plastic fuel tank, um, we set the model down there. They cut it on a CO2 laser out of 22 gauge aluminum. They bent it on their CNC brake press, and then they had a tag on it when we received it that uh, just for fun, they went through and they CMM'd it, which for the one engineer that's actually sitting over there might be able to explain what that is. See, I'm only, I only know CMMs as the inspection gauge. That's, yep. That's okay. Yep. That and components maintenance manuals. Yep. <laughs> so, yeah, but. Uh, they actually CMM'd it, which is just a way of super, super accurately gauging how how all the bends and everything came out, which their tolerance card said that the the cuts and the bends came down to less than five thousandths of an inch. <laughs> which is on, our, awesome. on our fuel tank box that honestly, if it was within a half inch, we didn't care. <laughs> yeah, they they do a very good job and they're very 
uh, particular about the stuff that they send back. They have they send back a lot of uh, duds to be remanufactured. So I mean, if they mess up even a little bit, even if it's inside what we think that we want, inside of your tolerance, yeah, it they redo we'll it. We'll send it back. Mm-hmm. They're a lot of double checks and triple checks for them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We we got our uh, firewall back last year. And they actually went in with um, permanent marker and circled dents in the uh, in the sheet metal that we you can't even see. <laughs> yeah, pin size dents. They <laughs> circled them. So what's the what's which component of the car is for them is the most expensive or the biggest? Is it the driver's compartment? Is that because seventy five hundred dollars worth of aluminum is not a small number? So mm-hmm. I'm just trying to figure out where all what what are they spending most of their time on. Um, just, or what's the biggest piece? I guess it's just the volume that we yeah. do. We we get a lot of spares too. So oh, I mean, okay, that, spare body yeah, panels. I was say. Our current car has three sets of body panels complete. Gotcha. So it's there's a lot of extra material that goes into that. Um, but we just we tend to give them odd stuff. I mean, it's not uh, a lot of the cost. I mean, with any race car, it's it's one off parts, mm-hmm. right? Um, you look at our car. We've got. This one particular firewall, it's different from the hood panel, different from this side panel, or this side panel, the skid plate. And so all their cost really comes in trying to set up all their benders and stuff to make the bend accurately. You know, it doesn't cost anything to make extras because, you know, you slap it down on a laser, you make a bunch of blanks, and then once you have the bender set up for one part, you just do them all, and it's not hard. But um, usually in manufacturing, it takes way longer to try and set up for a part than it is to actually do that bend on anything or do that cope or whatever it may be. The coolest part that they made for us this year was the fuel tank box. How many bends does it have in it? It's it's a 360 degrees, so the two ends of it connect back to each other, but it has like 15 bends? Uh, I think it's around 12. 12? Okay. And hmm. But there's like three different radiuses of bends, so it's not just the same die. It's They're switching out dies. They're doing some this way and some that way. Holy it's, cow. So it's it a, a lot of one piece. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a very interesting part, and it's amazing that they can even make something like that. Sure. Absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about the competition. How's that work? It sounds like there's different types. Um, I mean, start run through your run through your year. How's it work? So um, obviously, there's three U.S. competitions that we go to. Uh, what? Stout. Oh, yeah, and stout. So in the in the fall, um, there's a lot of unofficial, non SAE <laughs> sanctioned competitions that are regional. So we go. We usually go to two of them. Uh, one is stout, which is in or near Menominee, Wisconsin. And then the other one is Midnight Mayhem down in Kentucky. And the nice part about those competitions is very laid back. It's just a bunch of, I guess, uh, the hosting college. They'll have they'll set up a little track for us. They'll bring probably ten or fifteen schools usually come just from around the Midwest, and we can really, I guess, test parts that we want to experimental parts that we want to test. We can throw them on the car, put a, a younger driver in, or that's where we get to, I guess, put all of our uh, members in and make sure that they have driving time because mm-hmm. unlike the uh, some of the other teams at our school we get to have all of our members drive that's one thing we really pride ourselves on yeah. i think that's awesome that you yeah. guys are able to do that that yeah. makes it i would think that makes it a lot easier to put the time in when you actually know you're going to get to enjoy it well and it's not so much that but just seeing what you help design 
and being able to actually physically drive it and perform really well in it that's it's definitely a reward well not only that it'd be nice to see you know if you designed a certain component it'd be nice to see how it actually reacted because it's one thing for somebody to tell you or maybe they wouldn't tell you maybe you wouldn't necessarily get feedback on something you specifically designed but it'd be nice to know with your butt in the seat and say okay this is what happened um you know here's maybe what i would change for next year and actually have that feedback directly as opposed to getting it from somebody else definitely and i i've designed the frame for the baja car the last two years and the previous year's car has been rolled more than 10 times um, which is (laughs) that's really rare that usually doesn't happen and it's also been in a head-on collision uh with the university of iowa's baja car (laughs) i'm Uh, sure that wasn't uh, None of that was on purpose. Yeah. No, it was not yeah. on purpose. Uh-huh. It was it was a pretty interesting moment, but it's it's nice to see what you designed hold up to stuff like that, and then go back and see what could you have done better. Sure, just from those failures. And that's the whole glory of the uh, student design competition is that whole concept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's not it's not a bad thing. Really, it's not a bad thing to fail. It sucks right away but then it's it's a good learning experience. right you learn from it and you move yeah. on for the next year so what's what's after that um that first event um so at the non-sanctioned events it's usually just a, a four-hour race okay. um and they have food and whatnot is that is is all that um is it dirt is it rock i mean what's what's this it, or does it depend on what the both midnight mayhem and stout are on mx tracks yeah they're they're based okay. on so, motocross tracks yeah, usually awesome. they don't yeah, they don't usually do a whole lot. Um, we just ended up at a new track last year at Stout. Um, we used to race in a farmer's kind of backyard kind of deal on a little track that he kind of built. Mm-hmm. Um, and down the hill, there's actually a big MX course. And everybody knew about it because you drive right by it. And every year they said, man, let's, what does it take to get down there? Like, let's just drive over there and just start racing over there. Well, <laughs> What are they going to do? Yeah. Are they going to stop us all? There's do? like 200 of us here. Yeah. <laughs> no, but uh, finally last year... They got the approval, and we rolled up, and we started racing on that track. And uh, they'll dig in uh, telephone poles and stuff like that. They'll lay those down. You'll hit those. Um, didn't really – they don't really take the time to do a bunch of rocks or anything like that. Um, so you'll see a lot of telephone poles, and they'll bring out as much as they can for water, bring out water trucks, set up fire hoses, whatever. So um, yeah. It sounds like a muddy, messy time. Well cool. – so that being said, last year at Midnight Mayhem down in Kentucky, um, it had rained for about three days before the endurance race. So everybody goes down there, and people were getting their truck and trailers stuck down trying to get parked and whatnot. And uh, the day of the race came, or actually the night of the race came, because the reason why they call it Midnight Mayhem is we race from uh, 8, 8 yep. p.m. to midnight. They set up some lights and stuff, and part of the, part of the competition is you got to set up lights on your Baja car, and some teams go real hard and get the get the LED light bars. Some of them just duct tape flashlights to the roll hoops. Or uh, <laughs> we got the flashing LED strips, the little yeah, the like little strip lights, LEDs, and yeah. set to the strobe setting for a little while. <laughs> yeah, we, it was all changing lights and stuff. But uh, last year they had had so much rain, and down there it's kind of a kind of a clay, red dirt kind of base track. Um, they they got everybody lined up to start, and there was uh, a small hill, or what we'd consider a small hill. So it was probably about a six foot up onto a tabletop, you know, probably 30 degrees. And uh, everybody kind of pushed their car out there to get started. 
They started the race. Six teams made it up the hill to the the start line, and everybody else got stuck. Yeah, well, there were probably about 80 teams there. So (laughs) six made it, everybody else got stuck. And they said, or well, at first they're just like, oh, uh, just just push them up there and get them going. And so they made a couple laps, and uh, it was real muddy. A lot of people were getting stuck in a lot of different places. And this was just on the main course. So what they do is they have you divert off, and you kind of go through some backwoods country, which was way worse than the track was. So before anybody ever got there, they they shut it down for about, I think it was about 20 to 25 minutes, and they closed off that whole back section. So we were just racing on the MX track. And they tried to run it for about another hour, and they shut it down again. And they brought out, let's see, I think they had a tractor with a loader on the front, and they got the tractor stuck. So (laughs) they brought out a bulldozer, and they had the bulldozer sit there, and I think they scraped about 10 inches to 12 inches of mud off the top of the track in some of the real, real bad spots. And then they started running again, but they said... uh, at, at this point, it was like 10, 30, 11 o'clock at night. We had maybe 30 minutes of racing in. They said, all right, if, if you ever get stuck, you got you to get off the track. We can't. You're just, done. Yeah. yeah, we just can't have everybody up here getting stuck on a hill. And people who probably could get up it had to stop and wait for you to clear. And, and then, then they, they're stuck. Yeah, and then yeah. they're stuck. And you got to get workers out there and all that. So, you know, it was a one and done kind of deal. So they kind of cleared some people off. And then uh, they got down and there was maybe... 16, 18 cars that were running mm-hmm. there towards the end, and they ran for only about another two hours, and they just shut it down at about one o'clock that morning. So, so do you guys do driver rotations? Are they continuous, like four-hour races, and you have stints? Or it depends upon the race. I mean, obviously, the three national competitions; those are continuously four-hour. Stout, they do two hours; they do a break. When they serve lunch, then they do another two hours. Midnight, is that all four? That's continuously four hours. It's continuously four hours, but with the uh, two unofficial competitions, we usually try to cycle in drivers about every half hour, assuming we are racing and not stuck in the mud. But, yeah, we usually try to cycle in drivers every 30 minutes, and then at our national competitions, we usually only have maybe one or two drivers just because it's so competitive and fuel stops are maybe a minute and a half, and we only have three fuel stops. So it's yep. just trying to be a competitive, and unfortunately that means not having multiple drivers. And knowing the track is also a huge benefit for keeping the same driver in there. Yeah, uh, it's got to be a brutal, like, stint. Oh, yeah, it oh is. Oh, my gosh. It's, it's really rough. Have, you, uh, have any of you guys done that? Not for the that national long competitions. Stint? Okay. Yeah. Um, I think all of us, I mean, we've all driven the cars, but at that type, at those exhibition at, type events. Yeah, but, okay. The yep, regional I got you. ones, but not. You did acceleration. So, yeah, after the um, unofficial competitions, we end up using those experimental designs and we get to the actual competitions. And um, each of those, I guess, formal competitions are made up of uh, static and dynamic events. So first off, we get there and they check our car and we go through a little tech inspection and they make sure our car meets all the rules and that we, that we, didn't, that we aren't cheating, essentially. Um, and then we move to sales presentation where we have to try to sell our car. As a um, to a bunch of investors and try to I guess give them reasons why they should buy our car and similar to like uh, Polaris if they were selling a Razor and such. Yeah. 
So, so this system. is you got to keep track of like the MSRP of all the parts that you get, mm-hmm. whether you pay for them or they're donated. And actually, that's one of the static events is the cost competition. So you do have to list all the parts of your car and the MSRP for those. Um, and they, if they think you're lying about it, they will audit you. And, uh, <laughs> They'll call the manufacturer. Uh, well, no, they. I think they look up parts and they, they've got an idea of what yeah, it should cost. Usually, what the what the audit includes is they'll they'll have you bring your car and all your paperwork in. And they get a bunch of people out there on their phones and they start looking at stuff. Well, um, you know, if you're say you're running, you say on your cost report you're running the real cheap GBC tires, mm-hmm. and on your car you've actually got brand new uh, Maxxis Razor tires on there. Well, then they're going to go ahead and they're going to deduct you and they're going to charge you a whole bunch of extra money or whatever. Charge you a penalty for that. Absolutely. Um, Yeah, it's basically they'll review everything to make sure. Let's see. I think we actually got audited for the first time this year Mm -hmm. while we were in New York. And I don't remember what. I think there was one thing on. Oh, uh, our laser time. So they looked at our sheet metal and part of it was in there and they said. If you were cutting 525 inches of sheet metal or whatever, you can't cut it this fast. In our cost report, they say, you know, you have to assume that laser time is, oh, I don't even know what the number is. Let's say $25 an hour, whatever it is. Um, And so we said that to cut all of our parts on a laser, it took like 32 minutes. And that's what we wrote down. Well, the guy looked at it and he said, oh, no, that's not right. It actually take like 48 minutes. Well, <laughs> so he's arguing with you over yeah. yeah. Well, we And, you know, when we do that, we call a quality manufacturing who cuts our parts and we say, how fast can you cut this? And they yeah. say, oh, that? Yeah, we cut that at 200 inches a minute. So that part would only take like 28 minutes. But you can't really argue with those guys because... Because they're, so they're not checking that, so... Their kind of rule is law on that. If they decide you can't cut it, some that of fast, it is. They, okay. A lot of the manufacturing stuff is. Um, usually, what they'll do is you're looking at a hundred different teams, so you can kind of compare everything, and you can kind of see what should be right and what should be wrong. Sure. Um, actually, the other thing that I remember we got hit on was our engine. Um, so Briggs and Stratton has the MSRP on their website for it was like two hundred and eighty or no, like three hundred eighty nine dollars or something like that. Yeah. Well. Um, in SAE's documentation, they say you have to write down this much. This is the number, and we were off by like $10. But then they penalize you for Absolutely. that. Absolutely. <laughs> That's not going to make or break my buying decision. If I was looking at buying <laughs> Over one of these, $10. Like, whatever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and it's all about how, how many points each event is worth. So the cost event is, it's worth points, but it's not worth all of the points. So sure. if you get penalized, yeah, it's it's not good and you want to correct that, but it's not the end of the world if you messed up a number or something. Sure. Although, yeah, there there have been some instances of teams cheating on on cost, on the cost event because yeah. it's probably an easy one to cheat on. I mean, really, if you want well, to cheat. There's two different there's two different judgings on that. So there's a cost event where they judge your yeah, the the well, worth of your car. Well, there's a there's a cost event And then there's a cost report score. Mm -hmm. The cost event is how much your car kind of costs overall. You know how how did did it cost? You know ten thousand dollars. Did it cost a hundred thousand dollars to build it? And that's kind of where they score you. Yep. But your cost report score is only how well you fill out the paperwork, and that's it. 
That's wow. super annoying. Bureaucracy at its finest right there. Absolutely. <laughs> How but good are you? They at... catch a lot of people with that, too. I believe so. Just because they're disorganized? Yeah. It's just um, all the paperwork is due all at once, and there's you a lot of different all things to and fill and out. So yep. if you're not paying attention to that, and you, you fill out you know, halfway or you don't turn it in on time. Well, so if you wanted to bend some stuff, what you do is you, uh, if you say you fill out your report really, really poorly and you forget a lot of stuff, but that makes your car really cheap and you score really well in the cost event, but you just get a pretty bad score on the cost report. Just gotta even it out, right? Yeah, I mean, you gotta decide which one. Take a, take a little, take a little bit of hit for a really big gain or do it that way. So, um, so yeah, we gone through. Uh, well, that that tech isn't really a, an event, but we gone through two events. Those two cost yeah. events. What happens? Let's um, talk about some dynamic. So events. I guess to kind of, to kind of round up the uh, static events is our design judging. So that's I guess one of the harder I guess the bigger events of the competition. Mm-hmm. So uh, there's a bunch of judges from Polaris, Caterpillar, a bit, few other big manufacturers that'll come in, listen to us talk about our car and the decisions that we made. Really, I guess. Make sure we're doing our schoolwork and saying, "Oh, this will survive," and proving why it survives. What, do they have a list of questions that they are going to ask you ahead of time, or do you have a format you have to follow for that so presentation? Usually, it's uh, what a lot of teams do is they have examples of their calculations or their failed parts or whatever that they bring with them, and then um, they have judges that specialize in chassis and ergonomics or just suspension or suspension braking and what, whatever it was this year and steering yeah, or something. They just throw a lot of things on one yeah. judge if they so, don't have enough. <laughs> so they, they have um, in your grouping, since they have like six cars that do design judging at a time in this big tent, in your group they have uh, a judge that specializes in each of the subsystems of the car and if you're the one who led the design process for that subsystem, you go and talk to them for the entire, what is it, 10 minutes? 10 or 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. So you go and talk to them about what you designed for the entire 10 minutes. Gotcha. And you try and pitch your design to them. And there's all different types of judges. Some some will interrogate you and ask these really, really hard questions. Some of them will just stand there and you're just trying to come up with stuff to talk right. about. Right. They're just staring at you yep. to see yeah. if you'll just keep talking. Yeah. Who's going to be silent first? And How the, much bull crap can you make up in <laughs> 10 minutes, really? And then the nice part about it, some of those judges, a lot of them are alumni. Mm-hmm. So they've already, they've been through this, and they know what to grill us on. and They know they, what buttons to push. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They really know when we're struggling or when we know what we're talking about, and sure. it really shows. Mm-hmm. So are these presentations like with just pictures, or is the car like right in front of you that you can point to so, this and say this is what we did? So it's usually about... 10, 10, 15 of our teammates that'll end up surrounding the car. We get our little booth that we get to sit in. We usually bring a few posters, a um, few failed parts, and they, we just kind of surround the car, walk around the car, and show the judges. We can point to the car. We can pick up pieces, point to our posters. We usually carry a notebook with us, with our um, calcs, to really, I guess, show them that we've done our work. Mm-hmm. So you do that for 10 minutes, and then do they just write their score? You don't see it? Or how does it, how does it go from there? They uh, they'll go back um, without anybody from the team, and they'll kind of deliberate a little bit and talk a little bit and write all their stuff down. And then uh, after they've went through and kind of judged everybody, then they'll round everybody up and they'll kind of place every team in a ranking of who they think they did, who did the best, and who didn't. Is this whatnot. overall design, or are they doing it by component again? Uh, overall, overall. Yeah. Okay. So each 
you know, once they meet that first time right after you're done, they'll kind of each person will write down on a list and give you however many points out of whatever your total is for that system. And then they'll just put it all together and then give you a total. Do you get that list of what your scoring was per component? Yep. Then you again. usually okay. get that the following day. And you can also go up and ask questions to that design judge. Um, it's not always the exact same person. Sometimes it is. Sometimes it isn't. And um, it's, it's usually the person managing that area at the time. Yeah. So. They'll, so at least they'll remember you, you, but they won't like know exactly why. At least you can try to get some feedback on why you, why you may have gotten docked points. Then. Yeah, yeah. Okay. and that's that's one of the big things. If you want one of your um, design leads to do well in a design presentation, you put them in there the year before. You let them see it. You let them kind of understand it, and then you have them go and talk to the judge and talk directly to them. You know, here's exactly why I gave you that score. Here's what you can do better. Here's what I really liked and what I didn't like. And then you take that to next year, and you just absolutely kill it. So that's it for static events, then. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, then where do you go from there? What's the first uh, driving uh, event? So next day is dynamic events. All the real fun stuff. Is that a whole? Does it take the whole day? Is it two days? Yeah. So work? our whole competition is set up in four four days. Yeah, it's a four day. Competition. Okay. First day is all um, registration. Yep. Registration, engine check, and sales presentation. Day two is tech inspection and design presentation, uh, and then brake check, uh, just to make sure you're not going to run over people. Yep. Um, and, and then, then it's an important day. Yeah, that day. Yeah, it is an important day. The There's a lot of people that fail. It's a make and break. It's yeah. like safety day. Well, the, the real interesting part is there are a lot of the we get a lot of foreign teams, mm-hmm. and there are quite a few foreign teams that will you know pack their whole car up, all their tools and everything in a crate. They'll ship it out to the site. They'll fly their whole team over, and they'll get here, and they can't pass brake check. Wow. Which is, Come on, it, guys. It's disappointing. Well, I mean. They're Italian, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's not on fire, Adam. He said it's the brakes. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Although there are a lot of cars that do catch on fire sometimes. <laughs> um, it's, I, I mean, I can see where it'd be tough as a team coming over from another country and you ha- the only way you can get your car here is by packing it in a box four weeks ahead of time, and then you get here a week ahead of time, and you have to reassemble your entire car using whatever tools that you have. Oh, sure. There's, yeah. a, there's, a, there's a little different standards over there, too. Yeah. So um, in Gorman this year, our hill climb was about 100 and, let's see, 150. Well, I mean, it was well, a hundred. The, it was, it was the total, course itself is 150 feet. The hill itself was like 200. Yeah, actual distance up the hill was about 250 feet, and it was at, uh, 35%? I'd say it was probably close to a 40-degree angle, yeah. real loose dirt. They watered it down. And the top but, of it was sand right yeah. at the top of the hill. It was and, just a sand pit. But <laughs> the, the part where the whole standards things comes in was over in India, Baja SAE India competition last year, their hill climb was a 20-degree angle on serrated concrete, like a boat ramp that's been cut <laughs> yeah. horizontally at a 20-degree angle, and it was 50-foot long. And there were teams that couldn't make that. So it's just they've just got different levels, and apparently we're just quite a bit, you know, quite a bit more challenging. harder. Yeah, and more hardcore. challenging. And, I mean, we it's like that. Uh, the United States Baja Series is thought of as the best The, the most series. difficult I mean, or the... And it's the... And it's the oldest one, obviously. So that's that's where a lot of that comes from. A lot of these other international series, what they're missing is just a lot of the time to develop it. 
Right, because you said, what iteration of car is this one? Did you say 38 or something like that? Yeah, Boz has been around at Iowa State. Like 82 or 83? Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that's, we've skipped a few years. Sure. In in there, but, yeah, this is the, this is pretty close to the 30, I can't do math right now. (laughs) It's like 35 or so years. Yeah, there's been a lot of cars. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lot of engineering to draw on, even if, you know, over the course of that time, a lot of what happened the first few years maybe has been engineered away because you've made improvements, but you've still made improvements on an original design, right? Whereas, you know, those teams, maybe they've been doing it a couple of years, maybe they've been doing it five years, they just don't have, they're trying to build up that backlog of, of information that they can build and improve upon. So, And I think starting a Baja team now is so much more difficult than it used to be because there are just so many good teams. So you're just looking at what the good teams do and you're not actually doing a lot of the engineering behind it. So trying to copy somebody is really difficult to get the same performance. And I think that's what a lot of newer teams run into is they just have a hard time getting an original idea anymore. So um, go through the events then. I mean, how does that event day run? Where do you guys start? So there's usually, there's going to be some sort of traction event. Mm-hmm. Um, it's either going to be a hill climb or it's going to be like a sled pull, something like that. Like a tractor pull. Yeah, it, it's yeah. in, uh, let's see. Tennessee. They yeah, Tennessee. It was, a, it was a scale tractor pull sled. They hook you up on six foot of chain. Um, they've got a moving weight and everything and see how far you can drag it. And if you can drag it the whole distance, then it's all based on time and photo gaze and stuff like that. Um, so there's usually a traction event. Uh, there's always going to be an acceleration run, which is either going to be 100 or 150 feet. Get down the track as fast as you can. You know, it's pretty pretty straightforward. Um, there's going to be some sort of, uh, there's usually a suspension event. Mm-hmm. So that's usually the most grueling that we'll see. Um, what do they do with that? Um, what are you, it's, yes, how do you it's basically that? taking all the ex- the most extreme terrain that you can get on a Baja course and compressing it into a minute-long run, yeah. essentially. So it's, it's there's a, a lot of um, off-camber corners, a lot of tall drops, uh, bigger trees to run over. Anything that will get you stuck, Yep, they'll try and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, so on those, you'll see pretty sharp corners. You'll see corners that have either jumps or dips in them. So if you don't take the corner correctly, you'll either get stuck or it'll throw you off to the side. Um, one of the real hard ones is they have what's called a pinwheel, which is uh, it's usually a hairpin corner that they stack with logs kind of into a pinwheel. So what happens is as you start going over that, you start bouncing and you start sliding out. So in these events, if you go out of bounds, you're disqualified. So you really got to be careful. And then it's a timed course then. Yep. So then yep. you're judging it's, on time. It's okay. timed, or if it's a really difficult course, they'll do it on distance, how far you made it. And actually, oh, there's yeah. there's quite a few teams that don't make it through. Yeah. I, which, I don't know what the S&T course so, at, at Tennessee was, but I think like 60%. Yeah. S&T, I thought it was more than that. Yeah, S&T in Tennessee was pretty bad. Mm-hmm. I remember Alabama the year before was really difficult um there was a lot of teams that got stuck on the same you know the same obstacle they had in alabama they had uh i think it was four by four posts yeah that they put vertically in the ground so it was basically like a big garden of these they were about 
two foot apart, and they stuck out of the ground anywhere from six inches to like two foot. And they just went up and down and varied, so you had to be careful about picking your path and, yeah, A-arm breakers. You got to either hit it with your tire or don't hit it at all. Yeah, it's definitely a test of the driver almost as much as yeah, the car sure. at that point. And it's it's all about making quick decisions because even if you – they do have a course walk, and even if you walk the course, you still – you don't it's know what same. it's going to be like until yeah. you drive it. And then uh, the last event is going to be a maneuverability event. Um, usually it's set up all with cones, you know, tennis balls on cones. Um, so you're going to see hairpins, slaloms, stuff like that. Um, when we were in Tennessee, they had some stuff that was kind of on hills where you'd kind of drive around the side of a hill. Um, they had a slalom, except the center of the slalom course was raised about a foot and a half up. So you'd kind of have to lean side to side and go through it that way. Um in California, it was all just real, real loose dirt and stuff like that. And each track does it differently. I mean, every time they organize a maneuverability course, they score it a little bit differently. And anymore now, they're they're up to cones and tennis balls. And if you knock yeah. a tennis ball off, you lose. Yeah, a tennis ball is going to be like a two-second penalty, and the whole mm-hmm. cone is going to be like five or six. Yeah. And it's all just based on time. So after all these, I guess, grueling events, they expect us to come back the next day and do a four-hour race. So you'll see a lot of you'll see a lot of teams in the pits overnight, just grinding and welding. And usually the whole the whole night is just filled with generators going all night. Yeah, that's all you can hear. Just a hundred trailers with everyone has a generator running. <laughs> so what what event do you guys tend to do well at? Um, in the past few years, it's been definitely endurance. Okay, we got. First in endurance, um, two years ago we got first endurance twice out of the three. Out of the three, out of the oh, three nice. competitions, which is yeah, it's really rare. It was I a mean, pretty big upset. At least for us, it is. Yeah, um, we got first in endurance once this year, and at Tennessee, uh, made a little bit of a mistake though. The so other in two our, races. In our final tech inspection after the race at Tennessee. Um, they found that one of the CVT weights was not the same as all the others. At so the be- it was a different weight. At and the beginning of the event, we're required to write down the specific weights, and if they're out of spec, then you've changed something, and mm-hmm. that's what they call cheating. Yeah. And actually, <laughs> it it was detrimental to us, but it still wasn't within the rules. So we we didn't we received a points penalty for it. Gotcha. Did we actually get the placement? For winning endurance race, or did we? Okay, yeah. so we actually they, you still won. Then? Yeah, they yeah, told okay. us that we won the endurance race, and on the record we did, but we received a penalty that pretty much took it away. Oh, so you didn't get it then after the penalty? Yeah. Well, so the, for the we, points, we have, we officially won the endurance, mm-hmm. but when they scored us overall for the competition, they assessed a penalty. So gotcha. While we were first in endurance, we ended up like twelfth or no, we were way lower than that. What weren't we overall? No, we so overall we got sixth, but we went to place. Yeah, sixth overall in yeah. Tennessee, and we kind of figured out the points if they didn't penalize us, and it would have been about third. Sounds like a decent point penalty then. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Pretty serious You know, over, they, over a weight. Are they usually pretty close? Like from team to team, the I mean, is it pretty tight, or is there someone that runs away with it? Uh, it's pretty evenly distributed through you know from like th- 
three hundred to a thousand. Yeah. So the total number of points is a thousand. Yeah. Usually, usually the top ten are going to be really close. Mm-hmm. So to get top twenty, you know, we say you usually got to have a pretty good car. Top ten, you got to absolutely know what you're doing, and then to get top three, you got to be lucky, and that's it. <laughs> Yeah, I think, because there's, I think a lot of racing in general is luck. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's there. Not every. I mean, there are really good teams that consistently do well, but they don't always get top three either. So it's it. You know, there's they'll, a lot. They'll of, place in the top ten consistently. Yeah, though. they'll consistently place in the top ten, but they won't always consistently place in the top three. It depends upon the year and if they're having a good one or not. So. The nice thing about our program is we've been consistently placing in the top ten. Yeah, this year we uh, we placed sixth in Tennessee, ninth in California, and then sixth in Rochester. So it's uh, staying in the top. That's the first time we've ever done it as a team. Well done. So yeah, congratulations. That's, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it should be. It, It'll be something to try to try to improve on next year. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. definitely daunting to start from that. And, right. You know, and you know it's such a variable thing from year to year. So it's it. It's pretty intimidating to come back and and say, well, how can we do better than that? Try to maintain all the stuff we've learned and help teach uh, younger members at the same time. Mm-hmm. So who's coming back next year then? All three of us. You're all going to be here next yep. year. Okay. So I we're all holding pretty high leadership positions on the team, nice. um, and uh, we've we've kept for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, for better or worse. Um, we've. The group that uh, that are all juniors or seniors right now, um, they've all pretty much stayed on the team since they were freshmen. So okay. we have a very strong upperclassmen group that can really help everybody else out. Yeah, I know personally, uh, when I was a freshman, I just kind of walked, I saw the shop, I saw them at Club Fest, and they said, hey, stop by the shop on Saturday, and walked in, mm-hmm. been here ever since, just started out, you know, grinding stuff, coping some tubes, and... Now I'm helping design a lot of the suspension and um, drivetrain leader this year, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. So do you guys have any type of recruiting problem? Um, it depends. Yes. Uh, we have a hard time <laughs> retaining people. We have oh, no really? problem getting a lot of people to show up for the first three meetings. Yep. And then after that, it just drops exponentially. Yeah. And yeah. by the end of the year, you have just the people who actually have a title on the team staying around it's it's really hard with the schedule that we run because here we do all of our racing you know late spring early summer and then everybody gets back to the shop right around august in that area and we start saying okay we're going to start trying to hammer out all this design work and stuff and you got all these people coming in that i mean not necessarily aren't cut out for design work but just haven't been around long enough to really know what's going on and there's really not a whole lot for them to do um, we do have the competitions in the fall that we go to that we try and hang around and get prepped for. So, But we already got the car built and stuff, so it's just really hard to keep people busy. Sure. Makes sense. It's Yeah, it's really delegating tasks is the most difficult problem that we run into from a management standpoint. Um, it's, it's really frustrating to have people not show up again and, sure. and not come back. But, I mean, I totally understand where they're coming from. It right. sucks to not to not have a place or not have something to do all the time. Yeah, and it's a club. You're not their boss, so, you know, what are you, what are you going to do yeah, about I it? Yeah, I can't. We can't make them show up or anything, but right. it's all volunteer, and it, if you don't show up, you're going to hurt the team, I guess, if, you, if sure. you've been involved. But so. if you're not dedicated, you know. 
what do you what do you care it's hard to be invested in something that you you don't have a purpose for yeah if, if you look at all the people that are here um really the people that are still here are the people that showed up didn't have anything to do went home and then showed up again it's all the people that hung around even though there wasn't anything to do. Right. Know, it's basically um, people that wanted to be there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So the people that we have, especially from last year, they came in, didn't have anything to do. They left, showed up the next week. Then there was something to do. Well, then you start. And if you're there all the time, well, eventually there's going to be a lot of stuff that you can do. So Right. And it's a matter of experience, too. So, you know, like you were saying, you were you were grinding for a while and that's all you can do. But you're there doing it. You're learning more about the car while you're there. And, you know, maybe somebody will show you something that you can, you know, maybe you can work on next year, maybe you work on next week, but you got to be there to, to make it count and actually be able to be part of the team. So, and I guess, and kind of, a, I guess some of it's social. Um, a lot of us have been getting together, we'll end up watching a movie, drinking a few beers together, and just having, a, I mean, a good time outside of Baja. And mm-hmm. I think that's a huge important part is that. A lot of us are just friends here. I mean, we're doing this for fun. We try to be friends most of the time. <laughs> I mean, there may be a few wrenches thrown around the shop at each other, but it's all in good fun. Yeah. <laughs> Nobody actually gets hurt. Right. It's just thrown in their general direction and mm-hmm. to make a point. Yeah. But that's cool. So I got one final question. Okay. What happens to the car when you guys are done with it? Like... Do you guys get the opportunity to purchase them from the school? Do they get destroyed? What happens to them? So, I don't even know if we can go on record as saying this, because I'm not sure if we'd ever get in trouble for doing it, but what usually happens is uh, the car will run its season. Um, We'll hang on to it. We'll keep it up and going, and we'll race it again that fall at the non-sanctioned competitions and just have fun with it. Um, but keeping around uh, a running car is really good for anybody doing design work because it's a good test bed for prototypes. So if you got some kind of super weird, you know, prototype suspension you want to try, well, we already got a car that's got all of its drivetrain, all of its steering, all the shocks and everything already together, and all you got to do is put that one part on and try it out. Um, so we usually keep them around for. I technically two years, I guess. Yeah. Once it's yeah two seasons, so we'll race it. Then we'll race it in the fall, and then we'll uh, when spring comes around, we'll usually go ahead and get rid of the two-year-old one if that makes any sense at all. Yeah. And lately, they've actually had all their parts on them, or most of the parts. So um, it used to be that the, the just get rid of a frame, so we'd take all the expensive stuff off of it and there won't be anything left but now we we have a pretty much a complete car that we can get rid of and when we say get rid of they uh they actually go to the whoever did the most work on that vehicle that year almost always the tech director so after they've had their their long run on the team and we've got another car to replace it we'll get it somewhat put together and running and then we'll pass it off to that person and they can do with it what they will mm-hmm. and it's it's implied that it is paid for. I mean, it's paid for with the time that they've dedicated to the team, and also um, most make a donation to the team upon receiving the car. So sure. it's makes sense. It's not just for free. It, of course, I'll make that very clear. But um, there's actually reciprocation. Right. For it. It's cool that it doesn't just end up in a scrapyard. At least, yeah, we don't want to see them end up in a scrapyard yeah, because a we spent all of our time on it, and away. it's it's hard to let go of 
your baby after a full year of right you spent a whole year working yeah. on this although car. you end up kind of hating it at the end <laughs> what's just, uh, we, we can relate to that <laughs> yeah. especially robbie don't, don't just lie to match talk about. walk away yeah <laughs> What's really cool is, or at least we're going to try and start this, and I'm sure we say this every year, but you know, every year while we're building it, we always talk about, man, it'd be really cool to try this, but it's outside the rules, so we can't. Well, if any of these, uh, any of these guys would stick around that get these cars, you know, then it's just kind of a free will to do whatever you want. Um, we've got one that we're looking at right now from, I guess it would be two seasons ago. We're looking at maybe hopping up one of those 10 horsepower Briggs and seeing what it'll do. Yeah, because we are switching to a new, technically a new engine next year, so all of our current engines are obsolete. So we have extra stuff that we can do, do stupid things with. Yeah, do stupid things with. So Take a motor that's, we run at 3,800 RPM and see if we can get it to turn six. <laughs> Machine the head down and see if you can up the compression. Well, or... so far we've decked about 50 thou out of the head that's already on there we could probably do 60 to 70 if we pocket the valves that's it that's that's a that's about where it's at right now um lighten up the flywheel a lot um but all those engines and a lot of those briggs engines there's a big cult following for karting so guys build a whole bunch of billet blocks and all these racing flywheels and all this so there's a there's potential in those motors to make about 20 horse at 6,000 RPM. <laughs> that's a completely different animal yeah, that's, than yeah, what we yeah. just I know drove. from experience, they shake themselves apart at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. If you get one of those flywheels to fall apart at six grand, it's, it's a hand grenade. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're going to need maybe some more material between you and the engine. Just a little bit. What else you got? Robbie, you got yes, anything? My only question would be, is Baja your only like racing outlet, or, or like you guys car guys? Like, what? I'm a bus guy. Um, yes. I co-own a 1990 uh, turbo diesel school bus with Andy and my brother, who is also on the Baja team. Um, Why? It seemed like <laughs> a good <laughs> idea at the time. Yeah, it seemed like a good idea like at a, the like time. Like a party bus? Like a, yeah. Uh, I assume this to is turn a, into a motorhome, actually. So I but, assume this is a uh, uh, tailgating... Yeah, Rick. so it's tailgating nice. and camping. It's going to be like a one, I guess, one fits everything. And yeah. We're, we're going to, we've really bus. kind of done a lot of work on the inside, making it look good. And I think we're throwing a bunch of bunks in it, a little kitchen, and mm-hmm. it'll end up being here for ISU tailgating, of course. Yeah. I'm going to look know. into making a entertainment center out of a Raspberry Pi and a few other components. Maybe a full down beer pong table or two. Yeah, Who yeah, knows? Of course. Kegerator. The essentials. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, the essentials. The bare minimum. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, I'm past that. I I don't seem to have much time to do anything with cars outside of schoolwork and Baja. So it's that's my extent of it. Who would have thought building one race car would take up enough time to where you don't have enough time to build another race car? Yeah. So Andy, do you have anything else, or just the co-ownership of the bus? No, just the co-ownership of the bus. It'd be really nice to get into racing, but I don't think any of us can afford it just no, with the whole Baja and college thing. What's yeah. it? What what kind of bus is this? Just a regular yeah, uh, 90s a, school bus. Yeah, is it country a route school oh bus. like an international or? It's a Ford. Ford. Okay, yeah, it's not a cab Ford. over. Everybody always asks. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's not a cab over, but. It does the job, and it should be fun when we take it cross-country. Yeah. Maybe do some donuts in the ice. We'll see. There you go. Oh, God, that would be the best thing ever. Make sure you put it on YouTube. 
Always. You make at least a buck off of it for sure. Mm-hmm. Ryan? Uh, I do a little bit of dirt bike riding. Um, I've got a KTM 300 EXC right now. That's more of a mechanic project than it is a riding project, but we're working on it. So, you, you, Have you ever done any competitions with dirt biking or just this uh, is just no, a hobby? No, I haven't. It's okay. just... Just for fun, just an easy way to hurt myself when right. I can't do it at Baja. So absolutely, Robbie and I have both crashed motorcycles. Right there. I have yeah. too, but it was a much smaller one. Yeah, we did it on the road, unfortunately. Yeah, sixty to zero is not. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, he was going twice as fast as I was yeah. when I crashed mine. Where were you? What were you riding when you did that? Uh, Buell eleven twenty R. Yeah, eleven twenty five R. Not a slow bike either. No, no. I was taking a corner, going sixty, and I didn't really follow the line with my eyes, and I was looking off into the distance and. Ended up in the ditch head first, uh, 60 to zero, landed on my head. Luckily, I had a helmet on. Uh, dented the crap out of the inside of the helmet. And then I dented the shit out of it when I threw it on the ground out of frustration. <laughs> <laughs> all the adrenaline and frustration yep. all at yep. the same time. And, uh, well, yep. they say you're supposed to replace those after you use them, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was done. <laughs> yep, then I drove home all shaky-armed and upset at myself. And, of course, it wasn't my bike, which made it even worse. You didn't but, break any – well, you didn't break uh, any body parts. I scuffed it up. It was nothing that was... No, I mean, your your body parts. Oh, I'll talk about the bike. Um, <laughs> that was scuffed up, too, if I remember, right? Yeah. No, I just, I just had... I think I had a concussion. Just one walk of, it off. Just, it's not it was, a big deal. Some, head, like head, some headaches later six. on. So, was this racing, or was this on the no, street? No, just driving on the street. Oh, okay. Weren't you just in some canyon with his, or something? Cruising with his dad and his brother. Yeah, I was just driving. Weren't you canyon carving or something? In Iowa? No, no you was, weren't in Iowa. Like, it was like a Newton Hills area. Oh, you were in Iowa. I thought you were on the coast. Never mind. No. Yeah, we've got, I mean, we've got a couple other guys that ride, too. Um, one of the guys that I ride with is about the same, but we've got another one. The guy who actually built our shocks, does he race anymore? Or? I don't think he races anymore, but he... Uh, our shock guy, his name's Preston, he used to race uh, ATVs for uh, track courses. I think he rode a 450R for the longest time, and I think he's starting to get into uh, dirt biking. He has a 125 two-stroke that he's starting out with, but... I think he does that on the side now. He works at Blattner Energy, so he's driving all over the place. Yeah. He's a lot more serious about that than anybody else I've ever met, though. Wasn't he president of the motocross club? Yeah, or? he was president of the motocross club here at Iowa State. They usually yeah. have 14 or 15 members. They borrow our trailer and went down to Texas usually every year, and they'll spend a two weeks there just racing and hurting themselves. <laughs> Fun. Does the guy actually Lots make it to class being in two clubs and... Uh, yeah, that's the tough part for a lot of us. He's really smart. Yeah, like, let's just really say that. smart. <laughs> he can get away with doing less studying, maybe. Yeah, a lot of us are usually in multiple clubs. Like myself, um, I I do uh, five days a week of practice for martial arts, and then I come in and do Baja and try to maintain classwork at the same time. Sometimes it doesn't go as well, sometimes yeah. it does. But it's I all gotta, in good fun. i got to ask, what martial arts? So uh, I practice judo. Okay. I knew some of those guys. I was in the Muay Thai club for a while. Neat. That's cool. That's a good hobby too. Oh yeah. This is not yeah. a. This is not a uh, MMA podcast though, so we won't go there. Sometimes my that's body our, doesn't agree with me. Right, joints. Me yeah. and your joints. <laughs> but um, you got anything else? I think that's it. It's been any, good. Anybody or any uh, sponsors or anything you guys want to shout out or anything like that before we wrap this up? So obviously, quality manufacturing. Huge shout out to them. They do an amazing job with us. Um, VR3 Engineering for uh, putting up with our crap and and well, you can't really shout out to them because we pay them a lot of money for yeah. what they oh, do. That's, that's one of those where they don't give you the stuff. 
they, they help us out quite a bit with programming costs and stuff, but mm-hmm. quality's like, oh, yeah, send us what you want, and we'll just make it for you, and you can come pick it up whenever you want. Yeah, I've always thought Quality Manufacturing was a super cool company because I've, I've interviewed with them. I've, I guess I technically didn't tour it because I don't let anybody behind the behind the scenes, but I know they make, like, stuff for John Deere. They make... I mean, they made a roller coaster for something in Florida. Like they, it's just unique were, stuff. They were putting together an installation art project in one of their shops when we visited. So I mean, nice. they do they do everything. Huh. It's, I've never even heard of this place. It's really impressive. Yep. And if you other like competition sponsors, like Briggs and Stratton, they do so much for the competition. And um, Vermeer is a huge sponsor for us. They really yeah. help us out with our cash problem that we always seem to have. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Are there any other cash sponsors? Any big ones? I mean, obviously you guys are getting donations, I'm sure, but should have just looked at the back end of the car. We got um, some pictures of the car. We'll yeah, post those, those online. I know Caterpillar helps us out a decent yeah, amount. Caterpillar is, is always really generous. They, uh, we have a lot of Baja alumni and Iowa State alumni that work at Caterpillar. Oh yeah, I'm sure. They come back during the career fair and they visit us all the time. They're really nice about it. That's cool. But, yeah, just a lot of small companies in Iowa. And every little bit helps chip in. Mm-hmm. What about uh, social media? You guys got social media? Yeah, we have like 1,400 likes on Facebook uh, now. I'm pretty sure we got 1,600. 1,600? I'm pretty sure we just, we, we ended yeah. up with uh, about, we, I know we beat the formula team. That's the important part. There we part. go. That's, that's a nice day. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's the important part. That was, I know we beat them. Even that was though, the next question. Even that's... though they get a couple extra likes because their name is just Cyclone Racing, um, I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure we beat them. At. Oh yeah, we're at 16:30. Oh yeah, there you go. Let's see if your uh, downloads for this episode. Is oh yeah, so Adam nice. had a gauntlet that he wanted to throw down. You might was, as well just. pitch it. I was going to do that later, but that's all right. You're going to put me on. Just pitch it. Just pitch it out there. All right. I, I, so we have analytics for all of our stuff. Mm-hmm. I was going to get you guys their first week's download numbers and see if you can beat it. Oh yeah. Oh so. man. <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if you just put it on repeat. Whatever. Whatever you got to do. Or so, tell people. We could definitely do that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, share it, show it around. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 we'll, a, yeah, we'll we'll take that challenge. Our our biggest challenge is getting our name out there because obviously, if we if we advertise ourselves even to the university, people will take notice and it will come back to help us in the end. Sure. Um, a big thing that it's helping us with right now is we're moving new to a new building uh, sometime this fall. So they're going to be tearing down nuclear engineering um, and building a student innovation center. So we're moving in with all four SAE teams. So that would be Formula, Super Mileage, Clean Snowmobile, Baja, and then Cyclone Space Mining, which is used to be Lunabotics, and Prism, which is the solar car, Yep. Uh, plus one or two more clubs, I think. So we're all going to be crammed in one, one building. So our... I don't know. Our presence in the university is helping us out a lot to, you know, get get what we need to be for the for the team. new space. Yeah. And just so, to make just I guess just to make sure it was said. Uh, if you just search Iowa State Baja on Facebook, you'll definitely be able to find us. We usually try to post, I guess, videos once a month, if not more. Yeah, we're pretty prolific with it. And it's really, I guess, we've really been improving our presence there, and it's really shown with our uh, like increase and our standing with the university. We've really been increasing, and I think we've been kind of shown around to the uh, engineering professors. A lot of them will just come up to us and say hi and stop in whenever they have some spare time. We visit some local high schools, too, and talk about engineering and STEM education and what we do and stuff like that. So it's, it's pretty fun to go and and evangelize Baja a little bit and 
talk to people. Try to get people to come to yeah. you guys first and, as opposed to the other teams. Mm-hmm. And just be interested in racing in general. Because sure. it's, a, it's an interesting, it's a fun thing to do, and it's not something that everybody gets the opportunity to. Yeah, no, one of the, one of the last things you think when you come here to, to college to be an engineer or whatever is, I could be on a racing team. Like, that's, that's a thing. I can sit here and build race cars and then just go racing instead of going to class. Not that we do that. Not that you ever go. You go to all of your classes. Yeah, ab- oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, just like the athletes. Yep. <laughs> um, I don't have anything else. No, Let's call it good. Um, find us at 1010s Podcast on Facebook uh, and Instagram and Car Throttle, um, as well as at the number 1010s Podcast on Twitter and 1010spodcast.com. Leave us a rating, write a review on iTunes. Tell us and, uh, how much you love the Baja episode on iTunes with five stars. And I'll make sure to share you guys on our Facebook page so all of our fans can find you too. Yep. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Yeah, yeah. That was yeah. great. Thanks a lot, guys. Catch you guys next week. Bye.